You always own the option of having no opinion. There is never any need to get worked up or to trouble your soul about things you can't control. These things are not asking to be judged by you. Leave them alone. Marcus Aurelius. I'm Curtis. He's Joe. And we're just a couple of dudes in progress. Hey, Joe. What's shaking, my friend? We are here on episode four of Dudes in Progress. It's going by fast, right? I like it. A little momentum, right? Well, we've had a couple of bumps in the road. seems like every time we want to record. <laughs> like tonight, I had to go into work. I'm starting to go back, I think, one day a week, Joe, into the office. And I had a little get-together after, a little roadblock getting home and then we started recording what does my computer decide to do <laughs> install an os update in the middle of getting started so well it's nothing like your whole house flooding as a result of a faulty best buy dishwasher installation right that's what right. happened to me over the past week i think it's a great example when you're trying to make progress in something and these obstacles and roadblocks get in your way, you got to just keep powering through, right? Absolutely. Well, Joe, this week's topic is a word I've only recently, I don't think I ever heard this word until I read this book from Ed Milet. I think I mentioned this book a little bit, The Power of One More. Great title, The Ultimate Guide to Happiness and Success. There was a chapter called Equanimity. That's a big word right there, equanimity. I think it's relative to what we were just talking about, how things might not go your way, but you still got to power through and, and get back to uh, an, equal, an equal set, uh, a reset maybe. Last week's episode, we talked about the secret of happiness, and I left with a little challenge out there for you, and I wanted to see how you did, maybe some others are trying to do the same challenge, but the challenge was to think of someone you've not connected with in a while and that you miss. And we were talking how the secret of happiness, one of the big and major factor is relationships. So if you could reach out to someone you haven't talked to in a while, send them a text message, maybe tell them you're thinking of them that you just wanted to connect and watch what comes back to you, Joe. So did you try our challenge from last week? Yeah, I, I sent the text to uh, actually an old boss of mine who was very important in helping me uh, develop a career in the business that I'm in right now and very instrumental in personal growth. He became a good friend, but he left and followed his dream. Uh, he works for um, somebody that actually, this is interesting about vision. He's a guy that, that 20 years ago read a book. Uh, by Matthew Kelly. And 20 years ago, he wrote down as one of his goals that one day he, he will work for Matthew Kelly. Wow. And for the past five years, maybe six years, he has been the president of Matthew Kelly's organization. Oh, wow. I don't remember you ever telling me this. I, yeah. I know we've talked yeah, about, so the, I, there's a book in particular I was thinking as we were doing this podcast, we may review that book at some point. Yeah, my, my favorite book by, by Matthew Kelly is called The Rhythm of Life, which is fantastic. 
but that said, I sent him a text. I haven't heard back from him, okay. but uh, sent him a text and just uh, say, hey, man, thinking about you. Hope all is well. So for my challenge, I was thinking of someone and she, recently, and she messaged me before I could message her. She always is very thoughtful of my birthday. And she, my birthday was last week. And so she sent me a message. Haven't caught up with her in a while. She's an interesting friend. When we were going through some outsourcing, I'm in the computer industry. It's kind of a stressful time for me, not knowing if all of our jobs are going to be outsourced. But she was kind of early in the process. And I was kind of a solo guy in my office in the particular work I was doing. I was the only one that had this technical expertise. She came on. I was actually looking for help. I was glad to have somebody. I really took her under my wing. She had never been to America, came from India, and I befriended her. Matter of fact, I, you know, I think this is a great Christian thing. I was thinking about what should I do, right? What would Jesus do? Would you shut this person off because your job is threatened or would you embrace her? And I said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to just embrace and, and become her friend. And I actually invited her over to my house for Thanksgiving that first year. And she had, I mean, no family, no idea about America. She was kind of young and kind of new to the technology a little bit too, but we've become great close friends. I can tell you more stories, but you know, she, she was telling me, she actually moved, left the, the company I'm working for over the last year. She's gotten married since, she's got kids. So it's been a long term, over 10 years. And she's down in Tennessee. She's actually looking for another job, I think. She was, it was kind of interesting. She made a comment to me that, you know, how everyone went working from home during the pandemic. And she noticed as she's looking for work right now that it's actually hard to find a job to work from home. And it's really easy if you want to go into the office. I thought that was an interesting <laughs> comment she made to me. Yes. Yeah. So it's interesting that you had intended to reach out to her. And in a way, you kind of threw it out there into the universe and it bounced back and she got to you first. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. It was great. I, I, when she messaged me, I ended up calling her and we just had a nice conversation and said, we got to talk more. She's got some other things happening right now. But yeah, I've learned, I didn't, I haven't talked to her since she moved. She lives in Tennessee near the Smoky Mountains. She was telling me all about what it's like living there. So I was learning about that area. Yeah, really, fun, really fun conversation I had with her. So that was great. Great to catch up with her, see how she's doing. So Joe, I learned about this term equanimity again from Ed Milet's The Power of One More, The Ultimate Guide to Happiness and Success. Actually, the library where I borrowed it from, the good thing about libraries right now, they just automatically renewed it. So I had this for like three cycles. I felt like I had it all through Christmas. I really got into a good habit of reading one chapter a day. And with this book and some other books I was reading back from last fall, I was, you know, I think Joe asked, you asked me, is it really the ultimate guide to happiness and success, this book? And I said, you know, it's got its great points. And so I've, I've picked out something already before during our podcast, but I'm going to Pick on equanimity in chapter 17. I, I signed up for the Amazon program where you can get a, it's like $10 a month. Yeah. Amazon unlimited. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Amazon unlimited. So I signed up for that really in the intention to use those books and 
read through those. Whenever we have a topic, I'll, I'll look through those books and see if I can get some nuggets using that program. Well, they had a, a workbook, and it's not like an official cheat sheet guide, but, mm-hmm. but he definitely is pulling out some of the best points from that chapter. So here you go. Equanimity. It means to achieve calmness and serenity amidst the chaos of the world. Yeah, I, I like this word, equanimity. I do. I like this word a lot. It makes you think. Makes you think about, okay, what it, what what does it mean? And it has its roots in Buddhism, actually, uh, from what I learned. And uh, you know, I I I uh, my faith foundation is Christian, and so I, I'm a little weary sometimes about when I when I go down the path of other faiths like Buddhism or other philosophies like Buddhism. But this has a lot to offer, and I mm. I, I I never throw out the baby. I never throw out the baby with the bathwater. Right. Uh, if I said that right, and who wants to throw out a baby anyway, but, uh, I don't do it. I don't throw babies out. Let's just, let's just leave it at that, (laughs) but it has its roots in, in, in Buddhist philosophy. And I, I, I think the best way that I can, and it goes much deeper than this, Kurt, and we know this and we'll get, we'll get deeper into this, but I think the best way I can describe equanimity in one sentence is it's never as good as it seems and never as bad as it seems. That's right. I was, I, I found a great philosopher. I was thinking, how can we bring our interest in music into this podcast, Joe? And I was listening to a song. It's funny how these things come to you during the week when you're trying to focus in on something. And I was listening to this song. Remember the band Supertramp? Yeah. And the song, Take, yeah. Take the Long Way Home. If you read through the lyrics, I was like singing this song and I really love that song. Matter of fact, I saw Roger Hudson live with Ringo Starr and his all-star band a few years ago. And his all-star band always brings on big players that had big bands and they play all their hits and stuff. But this is a great song. And there's a line in there near the end of the song. It says, when you're up on the stage, it's so unbelievable. Think of all that praise. And you think of all the famous people that they're so high when they're up on the stage. And he says, oh, it's unforgettable how they adore you. <laughs> you know, you're, you're 15 minutes of fame. But, he goes, but then your wife seems to think you're losing your sanity. Oh, the calamity, is there no way out? But the whole song is kind of that, this thing of, it's reminding me, it reminded me of equanimity. You know, you got that big high and I, you know where I learned this from, I think? I was thinking back to my little league days. You know, when you're 11, 10, 11, 12 years old, everything's such a tragedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just hated to lose. And I can just think of little league baseball being the kid that lost a game and crying on in the car on the way home. Yeah. And, and I think we, I think culturally we do that to ourselves. I, I think culturally we do that to ourselves because we want to win so badly and I want to win. I mean, that, that I think it's natural to, to want to win and to want to achieve, right. Mm-hmm. Want to make something of ourselves, but at what risk, uh, at what risk do we put all of our ego into this basket of whatever it might be. And that's, that's the issue that I have. Uh, I will pour all of my ego into a basket and man, when, when, when the, when the situation uh, stomps on my soft underbelly, it hurts. 
I think if I take that sports analogy a little farther, it's playing a lot of high school sports, you know, again, all through middle school, through high school. I think I really learned this principle because you don't, we had a really good basketball team when I was in high school and we used to be, I mean, we went in junior high school, like 75 and 0 in our rec league, playing against some of the same players that we ended up playing in high school. But you don't want to underestimate an opponent. You know, if you get too high off the, the previous win and you don't take that next opponent seriously, they're going to surprise you. And so I think that's where, again, through my sports analogy, I think I learned a little bit of equanimity, not to get too high when you win because, you know, the next game's coming up <laughs> and not to get too low. If you play like junk, that's not necessarily who you are. And like everything else, we have to be careful because – in our pursuit to to achieve equanimity, we can even get our our uh, and I said this before we can get our ego invested in achieving equanimity, right? Yeah. So we have to be very careful as we as we proceed. It's a process. Achieving equanimity is a process, and and there's some strategies that we can take advantage of. There are philosophies that we can take advantage of, and there are there are steps that we can take to just. Shave the even if if we even if we shave off the rough edges or 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 right. or sand off the rough edges in our life to to understand uh, there's some there's some real balance that we can achieve. Here's a good bullet point: It's easier to find equanimity in low stress situations, but it matters the most in high stress conditions. So, do you know do you know what that reminds me of, Kurt? <laughs> Tell me. Uh, my my favorite quote of all time is a quote by uh, Martin Luther King Jr. That says the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands during times of comfort and convenience, but where, where he stands in times of challenge and controversy. Yes. Yeah. I think we actually, that was one of your quotes of the week already in our. Yeah. Yeah. My first show. This reminds, I was telling you before the story, we were down in Disney world, my wife's family, they have three kids, her sister, and we were at the Polynesian, which was fantastic, but we were there during a hurricane and this hurricane came up through central Florida we knew it was coming. They closed the parks. I remember leaving Epcot, like nobody there. We were like the last people leaving Epcot. We got back to the Polynesian and they were battening down the hatches at the Polynesian. They told us to go back to your room and just ride it out. And we knew the, the winds actually got up over gusts of over a hundred miles an hour. And <laughs> they had all these instructions on the bed and a flashlight. And they said, put up your mattress if you really feel like like the door, the glass door is going to come flying in. I never saw so much panic from my family members. Everybody, I must say, except me, I was not really feeling panicked. And what really bothered me, they got so panicked that they disregarded what the cast members told us to stay in our rooms and started heading on over to the main building which you have to cross through a hurricane to get to. <laughs> and I just remember being so mad. I'm pretty, I would say I'm pretty calm in emergency situations. Not that I want to be in one, but I think in that particular, that particular one, I knew if we'd stayed where we were, we'd be fine. <laughs> At least I was confident they weren't. And funny thing was, once we got over there, what did the cast members tell us to do? Go back to our rooms. <laughs> so we had to go so back. Had to cross, to- <laughs> cross through the storm again and go back to your rooms. 
So that way, you know, we put ourselves at risk. There's things flying around. Like I think one comedian said, it's, it's not that the wind is blowing. It's what the wind is blowing <laughs> like other objects. But how are you in high stress situations, Joe? It, it, it really depends. I've had a couple high stress situations uh, over the past week. Uh, <laughs> I had a flood in my house right. where the, the best buy installers came into the house and I don't know if I should mention actually Best Buy, but I just did, uh, came into the house and installed a dishwasher left the dishwasher left with the dishwasher running. And, uh, I came down, my wife yelled from downstairs and I went downstairs and there were literally inches of water in my kitchen and it had flooded into my dining room, into my family room, into the utility room and the downstairs bathroom. It was an absolute disaster. And I'm not sure I handled myself very well. I mean, I, I did, I did the stuff that you need to do. And with a sober mind, I turned off, I, I turned off the water. Uh, I, I gra- we grabbed a bunch of towels and started soaking up the water, trying to save our hardwood floor underneath our carpet. Right. Cause we intend to do something without hardwood floor eventually. Uh, but when I got on the phone with the installers to bring them back, I did not have equanimity, my friend. <laughs> Uh, it, I, 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 I'm not sure I handled myself very well. I mean, I, I sure didn't, you know, I, I wasn't abusive to him, but I said, you, you have to get back here now. Yeah. Uh, we have a problem. Yeah. And so that's the, that's the most current high stress situation that I've been in. Now I'm dealing with, now I'm dealing with, okay, who's going to pay for it? And is my insurance going to pay for it and subrogate to them? Or should I wait for them to pay for it? And these, these decisions have to be made. And we're talking about tens of thousands of dollars worth of damage. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a mess. Plus the water, water mitigation right. uh, company is going, there's going to be a charge from them. But generally I, I will say this, I'm known as the kind of the go-to guy in my family uh, when it comes to high stress situations. Mm-hmm death in the family handling tragedy uh with a with a clear mind and methodically working through the process that that's that's my mo when i do that kurt if it's for somebody else i can handle somebody else's tragedy much easier than i can handle my own Mm. but i'm pretty good at it i i i would say I'm, i'm i'm pretty good at it yeah yeah i don't i don't get really emotional right away i'm pretty analytical Mm-hmm. I I do have I think balance there too, and I I know you do, Joe. You had a call again when we were trying to record. Was it our first episode? Your your daughter had a car trouble in the middle of a yeah yeah intersection, yeah. and you got the call to go help her. Yeah, yeah. You were pretty yep. calm about that. Yeah, you just you move forward and yeah. do what you need to do to to take care of the problem. You know, right? Uh, she was stuck in the middle of an intersection one of the busier intersections in our, in our area. And you just do what you need to do to take care of the problem. Right. All right. Here's another one. When another bullet point takeaway, when you achieve equanimity, what happens inside you is not dictated by what happens in your outside environment. I think that's a key point. I can remember reading books about this. It's not necessarily what happens. Most people would think that, it's how you deal with it. Yeah. Internally, I, I think, like how you internalize it. 
I think the best way the best way to do this is generally decide in advance how you're going to how you're going to respond to tragic situations or stressful situations. That's easier said than done. The goal here would be to make it some kind of mindset shift, right? Mm-hmm. Just to be less reactive. And like everything else, I, I I am big on habits. You're going to hear you're going to hear me talk about habits and developing habits throughout this entire show for episodes and episodes to come. Uh, because I do think that habits are the magic bullet. And we talked about habits before, and we'll talk about habits again and really dig deeper. But to do this, to become less reactive, you have to you have to start small. You have to start small in small situations where the consequences aren't so great. But the goal is to is to eventually shift your mind to be less reactive and less attached to situations. Yeah, actually, we're going to get into that too. You know, I, this made me think of this, Joe. You know this to be true about me. This is probably an area I've had to work on, being a podcaster and getting that one-star review in iTunes with the commentary <laughs> that, right. that really hurts. And yeah, that one, we've talked about that during our masterminds. I'll bring that up. I think part of that, I've, I've started to analyze that. That that will gnaw at me for you know a week. I'll, some of these I've, I've remembered, and they really bother me. Although I I'll have hundreds of five star reviews with people. I could have someone the very next day give me high praise, but that one that <laughs> took a dig, and I have no recourse either. I can't respond to it. There's nothing. It's just laying out there, <laughs> needling you, right? It's like a sucker punch too which really annoys me. Right. You know, that's interesting. I, 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 for the most part, Kurt, I take criticism fairly well. Better than I do. Yes. Yeah. I take criticism fairly well. I, uh, I got into a practice years ago to almost invite criticism, not, not mean spirited, but, but to invite criticism and, and really open myself up to, to critical ideas of me and my life and how I can improve. Yeah. And that's, I, you know, I did Toastmasters and part of that program you would do, it's all about learning how to speak in public. And part of the program, it was built in that you want to learn how to take feedback. And it was a part of the program. You would give your speech and then everyone would give you, they tried to give praise first and then they would say, okay, here's the thing we think you can work on. That was easy. I think that was, a great practice to learn getting that feedback. Let me ask you this, Kurt, in, in, in my let's book, why do we want to achieve equanimity? Why is it so important? Do we even want to, here we are talking about equanimity and, but yeah. what's the point? He, why do we want to achieve equanimity? Actually, one of the bullets here, he says, once you understand equanimity better, your path to success becomes easier, more frequent and substantial is his claim. And what about the steps to equanimity? How do we go down that path? Does he give us some practical points? Because I did some research on equanimity and some steps towards equanimity. Uh, first up, but first I wanted to establish what does equanimity mean and what does it bring to us? And we've talked, to, we've talked a lot about equanimity here, and I think we understand what it means. But why is it important? Because I know successful people that are freight trains. <laughs> Being around them is like walking through a minefield. Yeah. Why is equanimity important to you, Kurt? 
I was just re- trying to look, see if he gave the answer to that, but that's a great question. And one point he's making here, clinging to good and the bad leads to pain. Clinging to good creates pain when the good leaves and letting everything around you come and go without attaching yourself to it. I like balance. I've always liked that idea of balance. I remember my mom giving me this philosophy probably when I was in high school, when I came home late from partying or something. (laughs) It's like, it's okay to go out and have some fun every once in a while, but come back to the center and and always have balance in your life. And for me, balance is important. So I, I don't like these, uh, highs and lows the people that i'm 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 attracted to the most and in fact the gentleman that i i spoke about before that i reached out to when you interact with him there's a sense of calm about him yeah there's and i like people like that i like people where there's a sense of there's a sense of balance with them there's a sense of they're even they have an even keel not boring not mundane but just even yeah good leaders are like that So in your quest to achieve one more equanimity, he always uses the phrase one more. That's kind of the name of the book. The following elements can be helpful. It's about finding serenity, even as you take on your life challenges. I talked about inner peace being my goal for the year. It involves acceptance of the fact that some things are beyond our control. Yeah, you can get really frustrated if you try to, fix things that are beyond your control. There are some things in that we, that we experience in life that are within our control. And there are some things that are clearly our fault. And I think hyper-responsibility is important that we understand what we're, what we can control and, and what we cannot control. But once we've gone beyond that, to be settled with that moment, you know, when I think about, when I think about moments of equanimity, there are moments when I realize that what I'm going through, and usually I don't think about equanimity when things are good, right? Yeah. We just talked about that. Yeah. I don't think about equanimity when things are, are going well. I think about equanimity when I feel like the world's caving in, right? <laughs> You're almost reading the next point I'm going to make, Joe, which is... Well, it's a, well, I don't want to steal your thunder, no, Kurt, I, so have at it. I'm going to just add to it. You're like reading my mind or this page off you haven't even seen this before it's about recognizing that everything is transient and impermanent is what you're saying like there's that's exactly what i'm saying right just because things are going kind of rotten right now that doesn't mean it's permanent do you remember the 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 phrase uh the saying this too shall pass right yeah this too shall pass and so some of the some of these strategies around equanimity and achieving equanimity I found a couple things. One thing is if you're in that moment, whether you're happy or whether you're sad or whether whatever you're experiencing, whatever emotion or event or situation you're experiencing, see if you can find a way to be curious about it and, and be curious about what you're feeling in the moment and non-judgmental. Just what is this right now? What is this anxiety that I have right now? Yeah. What is it? That's interesting. That's an interesting feeling. Right. What is this thing? And accept it. Accept that moment for what it is right there. And don't, I said this last week about, about depression. Don't take ownership. Don't, don't take it as part of 
who you are. It's just something you are experiencing. But be curious about, about each moment. Be curious. Yeah, I'll leave this last point. Then I got a couple of questions for you. It doesn't mean we shouldn't feel joy or happiness. It just means that we need to put everything in perspective. Absolutely. So here's my questions for you, Joe. You've not seen these ahead of time. Reflection questions. How do you react to stressful situations? I guess we gave a couple of those. I don't know if you have another one. So as we go through these, uh, these reflection times, you're cheating a little bit. Uh, I'll answer them. That's, I have no problem, but I want you to answer them as well. And hopefully you've, <laughs> you, because you've had the answers in advance, you've had the questions in advance, you've had, you've had a moment or two to uh, formulate your answer. I didn't though. Me. I didn't ahead of time. <laughs> well, let's do this then. Go ahead. Oh, you want me to go first? No, you, you answer your question All right. or ask your question. Ask your question. Well, how do you react to stressful situations? So we talked, uh, we talked about this earlier. It's really, and it shouldn't be this way. And this is why you want to achieve equanimity. You don't want it to be situational. I'm my stressful moments. I'm better at handling stressful moments when I'm handling them for somebody else. Uh, when I'm helping somebody else through a stressful moment, I can, I can think fairly clearly when I'm in a stressful moment, I think I do pretty well. Like I said, many times I'm the go-to person within my family when it comes to handling high, uh, highly intense, high, high stress, high tension moments where things have to get done. I think I do pretty well, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to be very transparent here. There have been times that I have freaked out. Mm-hmm. And I've had to take a step back and realize that if I continue down this path, if I continue with this emotion, it will be counterproductive. And I have to remove myself from this situation for five minutes or one minute or maybe a couple hours, understanding that I'm not in the right, I'm not in the right place to handle this situation. Mm. How about you? I got a couple. I was thinking of a work situation. So I work in information technology, IT for short. We deal with problems all the time. They could be quite large impact to the entire company. <laughs> I can remember walking in the office first thing, don't even have my eyes open, hardly sipping my coffee, and a coworker saying, the site is down. And he was freaking out. Like, just like total panic. Like, what are you going to do about it? Kind of like going right at me. Like, I felt like I was being attacked. (laughs) Um, And I think I've talked to some of my other coworkers. We're we're pretty good at not freaking out when something goes wrong. We've got a, a pretty good crew of talented individuals. And I can remember one of my coworkers saying, Just this, he's actually a Buddhist, funny enough. He said, well, nobody died. (laughs) That's such a profound thing, but I think of that quite often. He was such a calm, calm guy and taking on a lot of stressful situations at work. You know, and in this particular situation, I'm not responsible. There's nothing, this person was, was relating this to me. There was nothing I personally can do. All I do is call it into the, the technical folks that handle our, you know, our servers keep our servers up kind of thing. And they would reboot it or they would troubleshoot it. They had all kinds of logs. He didn't know that, 
but he thought I was blowing him off. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I think I'm because re- you weren't freaking out. I wasn't freaking out because it, it wasn't really much I could do about it. Right. I don't have my hands on the computer to do anything with it or the access to do it. I just call it in and, and work with them and they let me know when it comes up. <laughs> but, yeah. I think we have to be careful. That's a good point. I think we have to be careful when we are trying to develop equanimity in our own life and we experience somebody with equanimity in their life. Yeah. We don't want to miss, we don't want to misinterpret it, misinterpret, interpret equanimity for being aloof. Right. Or uncaring. Right. Yeah. Or unconcerned. Uh, just because you're not freaking out <laughs> doesn't mean I- doesn't mean you're doesn't mean you're not concerned, right? Just because yeah. you just because you are um you're calm and collected, yeah, doesn't mean you're aloof That's, to the situation. I agree. I think this was a difference of opinion the two of us had too. We got into we got into that conversation later. But I think I'm more of like the duck on the pond where the top part's pretty calm and collected and inside the churning's going on or below the surface. That's an important point you make, Kurt. We need to have equanimity internally as well. Yeah. We can, we can put on a good face. We can look, look at my, look at my equanimous face. Look at me. <laughs> right. You know, it's true. I'm calm, cool and collected. And inside I'm just, I'm crushed. We need to have internal equanimity as well. That's a very good point. And then I, I was thinking of, a recent health scare we had with my son and he, he ended up in the hospital and the doctors were making some like quick observations that sounded like, are you kidding me? This could lead to liver failure. I'm like, he just like went into the hospital today. Now that's the kind of situation where you can really lose it in the health of your kids or someone you care about. I think uh, we did. Well, I don't know. The hospital might not think we were very <laughs> calm and collected because we wanted to talk to someone right now and right. get a, get real answers. Cause the, the way the information was coming to us, I wasn't really happy with and that, but I did, I think I took a step back. I had um, again, some, nurses at work that we could turn to and bounce some ideas off of to see what is this that we're dealing with, but it ended up working ended up, you know, good story or, uh, has a happy ending and he did not end up having any kind of failures, internal yeah. organ failures, but it was an internal parasite kind of thing. Hmm. Uh, he was, hmm. uh, he was bitten by a, um, a tick. It was a tick related, Wow. Virus that was causing jaundice. And that's where I was like, are you kidding me? We just, he's just showing jaundice now. And you're talking about liver failure. Like what is going on here? Mm. That was a freaky thing. All right. Here's the next, next question. Who is the most equanimous, if I'm saying that right, person, you know, justify with real life examples. I think top of mind is the person I, I spoke about earlier. Yeah. Uh, a former boss. He was a vice president at, at, at my former company. And he was just steady Eddie. He, he handled things well. He spoke calmly, even in moments of coaching or moments of correction, he spoke calmly and he was able to lay out his concerns and his ideas. 
in a calm, commanding manner uh, that exuded confidence. And I've seen him in some high stress situations where millions of dollars were on the line with our company. Mm. Uh, I've seen him in high stress situations where uh, a former employee stole hundreds of thousands of dollars Mm. and he was in charge of that employee. Yeah. Uh, And how he handled that with grace and dignity and honor for everybody involved uh, and just moved through the process. Uh, That's probably the, uh, the person that stands out the most mm. to me as somebody with, with equanimity. I think my current, how about you? Yeah. I think my current boss right now, who's, who's really a coworker, we kind of shared the work that we did really smart guy, genius guy, very calm again in stressful situations when things go bad. He's always someone I feel really confident in bouncing ideas off of too. And he's not going to lose it. If you tell him bad news, it's going to get dig, get right into it and, and work on solving it. You know, I, I was thinking of a famous of a movie. Maybe you can remember the name of the movie, Joe, about Mr. Rogers. The one with Tom Hanks? The one with Tom Hanks. I, mm. I thought that was a really profound movie. To, to Of course, we all know who Mr. Rogers was from, from kids in PBS, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. But I was... His personality really struck me, at least the way they portrayed him. And I think even this equanimous kind of person, he really cared about people. And I don't know, I just got a really good feeling about, that's someone I would like to emulate. He is somebody that I wish I would have been nicer to growing up. Now, I didn't know him, of course. Right, we made fun of him. But I made fun of him. He had certain mannerisms. And he has a certain way of talking that wasn't macho, right? Yes. It wasn't terribly masculine. But when I look back, his love for people and children right. and moving children and encourage, moving children along and encouraging them and show them that they're, that they're cared about, uh, he is a hero. Yeah, their opinions. He is a hero of mine. Yeah. And- yeah, when when you look at how he carried himself, he carried Mr. Rogers carried himself with significant yeah equanimity, significant equanimity. That really intrigued me from that portrayal of Tom Hanks of Mr. Rogers. Definitely check out that movie. Other question: Clinging to anything creates pain. Do you agree? I agree. To answer your question directly, yes, I I agree. That said, I think that there are things that we cling to despite the pain that they may cause at times. I think about marriage. Right. I am committed to my wife. I cling to that relationship. And it causes me pain sometimes. Right. And I cause her pain sometimes. (laughs) Right. Right? Yeah. Uh, And I'm not just talking about the kind of pain that pick up your socks kind of pain. Put the toilet seat down kind of pain. I'm talking about relationships are hard. And so, yes, when you cling to something, it causes pain. That said, there are things that are important to cling to despite the pain. Yeah. We can't avoid pain because of, for the sake of pain. We can't avoid conflict for the sake of conflict. We can't afford 
being uncomfortable just for the sake of not being uncomfortable. Uh, we have to count the cost. Is this pain worth what your life will be when you get through the pain? I was thinking of the, the dogs I've lost. Boy, that created a lot of pain when I lost them. <laughs> but what if you would have never gotten a dog because you were afraid of the pain of it dying? Yeah. Is that any way to live your life? No, you're, no it's exactly true. It's probably the same point that they're trying to make. You got to try to balance that. Uh, we're having a hard time rebounding to get another dog. There's some other reasons why we're not going to right away. But my wife, for sure, she has a hard time letting that pain go. Mm. A lot longer than me. I, I'm ready to go. with a, But we have some other reasons why we're not. But yeah, she definitely cling. That one hit her hard for a long time. Understood. I think uh, that's it, Joe. I pondered a lot about this subject. I didn't know where to go with it, to be honest with you. I didn't know what to do with it until I wrapped it up in that one sentence in the beginning of our conversation. It's never as good as it seems, and it's never as bad as it seems. Once I understood that, that's equanimity kind of wrapped up in a very simple saying. Now, it's, it's, it's much deep, deeper than that. Uh, but like anything, if we want to achieve something, we have to have a strategy. If we want to achieve something, we have to have a, a process that we go through to achieve equanimity. So when I think about that process, I think about, uh, I think about things that we've talked about. I think about understanding that it's a mindset shift to be less reactive and less attached to situations. Don't have your ego invested mm -hmm. in the outcome one way or another fall in love with the process, right? We've heard that before. Yeah. It's, and, it's, and it's about being curious. It's about being curious in each moment. And, in set, and you said this, and accept, accepting those moments as impermanent. This is not going to, this too shall pass. It will last forever. I mean, it won't last forever. Heck, uh, have, some com have some compassion for yourself. Have some empathy for yourself. You know, don't be so hard on yourself about how something is going to turn out. Or whether something was actually your fault or not. Now I believe in taking responsibility, but have some compassion on yourself. And uh, how about this? How about we remind ourselves that we've been through bad stuff before, and we've been through good stuff before. We've been through tragedy before, and we've been through victory before. And you know what? We're better either way. We're better people yeah. for the tragedy we've been through, and we're better people for the victories that we've been through. And when, when you have that mindset, you can face each challenge, good or bad, with equanimity. And I, I believe that. You're I, I believe that. Think of a situation. I'm, I'm doing this course. We're going to get into this course I've, I've been taking 21 days. It's um, Change One Thing is the name of the program and talks a little bit about not attaching to things and if you're pursuing something just because you open one door and it closes you don't know what that other door is is going to open if you attach to that that job that you applied for and you're like wow i would be that is a perfect i, I loved everything about that job and i really want to get this job and then i had one situation where i was down to the last two people and i didn't get the job because the other person 
took the initiative to pay for and do this technical course on the topic that I was applying for. Now I had a lot of insights into the the job too. I knew the I knew a lot, but I hadn't taken a course to get myself ahead. And it's funny, even though that door closed, I was was like, wow, what did I do wrong? I was so close down to the last two people. Come to find out, that was the wrong path to go for me. The next Hmm. job that came up was in a technology that was really niche and ended up being a path that really paid well for me, Joe, for several years going forward, about 15 to 20 years. Fantastic. Kind of lead to where I'm going. The other job kind of led to a dead end, to be honest with you, if I look back on it. And so a great reason not to attach. You never know just because one door closes that it's not going to lead to something better. So, All right. Time for the win for the week, Joe. All right. Why don't you go first? All right. So I'll put this one down. We were talking about relationships. My wife has a very good friend. She needed some help. I think you even mentioned it. Go help someone. And felt really good about this. She's got some mobility issues and she wanted to move her sewing room from the upstairs to the downstairs, which also meant we had to move her dining room furniture up to the upstairs. (laughs) But she invited us over Saturday for a meal too. She was so appreciative. My wife and I and her husband, we, we switched rooms. So now she's got her sewing room down in where her dining room was. And she was just really excited about that. We had a beautiful dinner. I was a little afraid again for my 30 day challenge, weight challenge, had a prime rib dinner and it was fantastic. So that was a fun thing. Also, it was my birthday last week. You know, I love that in Facebook when people are sending you all kinds of happy wishes, happy birthday wishes. And I had like over, I always say like 200 of them because I have a pretty good Facebook following. <laughs> it took me hours to respond to them all, but that was, that was fun. So there was a couple of wins for the week. So I had, I had one win for the week. I, I probably had a bunch of smaller wins. I could talk about a lot of things. I could talk about uh, how well I handled the flood in my house. Uh, I could talk about a, a couple other things, but I think the things that's the thing that stands out most to me over the past week is I started back to a morning routine that includes journaling. Oh, good. And uh, I, I couldn't figure out why I couldn't get back into a regular morning routine. How did I get out of that habit? Uh, so what I wanted to do is I wanted to journal and I wanted to write down one thing every day that I'm grateful for. We talked about that last week, I believe one thing every day that I'm grateful for. And I want to get back to a morning routine when I'm getting, where I'm getting up and I'm walking and I'm doing some exercise and I'm doing some reading and some meditation and those types of things. But it all starts with that first part of the habit. And do you remember what the first part of a habit is? I was say the cue. It's the the cue, right? We have cue, craving, response, and reward. Cue, craving, response, and reward. And what I realized, I, I had a bit of, an, of an, an epiphany when it comes to developing a good habit. We know that, but why do we get out of why do we get out of good habits? And how do we? How does that happen? And my epiphany was: don't abuse the cue. Don't abuse the cue. And here's what I mean by that. I had a couple times where I slept in through the alarm. I turned the alarm off 
before the alarm was my cue to get up, stretch, and start my start that morning process. But that was the cue. To uh, hear the alarm, I would get up and I would stretch. Well, when the alarm would go off, I would just turn it off and I would stay in bed. So now I'm abusing the cue. The cue is trying to do something for me. It's trying to move me into my habit routine, but I'm abusing the cue. I'm just ignoring it. Yeah. And so what happens is I disassociate the cue to the habit. And now the cue means get up, turn me off, and go back to bed. So one little change that I had is I changed the sound of the alarm. Okay. That's it. Yeah. It's a different sound. It's a little different volume. It's a different type of alarm. So I changed the sound of the alarm. And I intentionally listened for the cue and started my routine. Listen for the cue and start up my routine. And in this short period of time, it's working. I'm reassociating. I developed a new cue for my morning routine because what I had done is I abused the cue. So that's my win for the week. Great epiphany, Joe. And the reason I like to do these wins for the week, not just for us, maybe you'll get some ideas from what we're talking about. Definitely reflect on your own wins for the week. Put some gas in your tank. All right, let's take a look at our 30-day weight loss challenge, Joe. I think it's been a week since we last talked. You know, I lost about eight pounds pretty quickly within a few weeks. This week, I'm down one more pound. So I'm down nine pounds total. Nice job. Nice job. Uh, I am flat. I'm sitting right at eight pounds. Uh, haven't moved the needle at all this week. But I will say this. Last week, I said I'm committing to 3,000 steps a day, every day, because I wanted to change what success meant. And I've done it every day. And in fact, I can feel myself getting some momentum and sneaking up very quickly past 3,000, up to 4,000. I think, I'm, I think uh, I'm at 6,400 right now, today, steps for the day. So I just needed to reestablish what success meant and celebrate it at that moment. And I'm flat for my, I'm flat for my uh, weight loss, but I can feel myself moving back into what it's going to take to continue this, uh, continue this mm. process. I'm feeling good about, I'm doing the 7,000 steps. I haven't missed a day. That's fantastic. And it's been challenging. The weather's been horrible. I walked in the rain a few times and a little bit of snow. There's, there was a morning where I didn't get up early enough to really walk. If I don't do my steps a good chunk of it early in the morning. It's really challenging to get through, but I, I've forced myself to get that completed. And I'm really, I think now this is going to be the challenging part now. Now it's going to get down to kind of that one to two pound range, I think, moving forward. And that's going to be success. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. Let's do the quote for the week, Joe. I think. I stole yours. We were thinking about equanimity. And the, as I'm reading and doing my studying on that topic, the serenity prayer came to my mind. And I found an extended version of it. It was written according to the, maybe it's Wikipedia, Reinhold Niebuhr, lived from 1892 to 1971. He's credited for the serenity prayer, 
prayer, and you probably know it, it says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And the extended version, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking as he did the, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen. Kind of a little amen prayer. Yeah, I, I love the serenity prayer. Yeah. And if you can flower up equanimity, the serenity prayer is it. Mm. Right? Yeah. I, I I love the serenity prayer. And I remember when I was a little kid, it was hanging up in my house. It was, it was hanging up in a lot, a lot of houses uh, in the 70s and 80s when I grew up. Uh, but I, I I just love the serenity prayer, and I had a couple quotes in mind. And when I found out that that you were going to use the serenity prayer, I'm well. My gosh, you're my pal. I'm not going to steal your thunder. <laughs> I wrote it uh, first, but I do like I do like the serenity prayer. <laughs> I do like the serenity prayer. My quote is from Viktor Frankl. He's a he's a psychiatrist, yeah. a therapist, author. He was also a survivor of the Holocaust. He was in Auschwitz. Uh, and he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. You know, I've never read that book. I've got to read that, yeah. It, it's a very good book. It's one of those books that when you ask highly successful people what was on their what is on their reading list or what have they read in the past that had a significant impact, it's almost always yep. on their list. Victor Frankl's, Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And I really connect this to equanimity. Victor Frankl says, everything can be taken from a man but one thing. The last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. Yeah. Good stuff. I agree. You, you don't have to, just because something horrible is happening, you can choose how you're going to react to that, how you're going to internalize it, how you're going to deal with it. This comes from a man that survived a concentration camp. So if anybody has the right to say that and to understand what that means, to choose one's own attitude in any given set of circumstances, it's Viktor Frankl. Yeah, I think he talks about the people who survived that horrible situation were the people that did just as he's saying they were able to have some hope somehow they somehow yeah just internally handled it better than others they found meaning yeah in something right it's amazing and it was all in their head yes they didn't have the liberty their attitude yeah it was all their freedom was in their head to choose one's own way they chose their attitude yeah i love that quote from victor victor frankl and i invite you to kurt to pick up man's search for meaning i might even buy it for you and send it to you my friend (laughs) i bet you would (laughs) well joe where can they find us go to dudesinprogress.com dudesinprogress.com and if you want to reach out to us you can reach out to us at dudes at dudesinprogress.com dudes at dudesinprogress.com so our website is dudesinprogress.com 
Our email address is dudes at dudesinprogress.com. And if you want to support the show, you can go to dudesinprogress.com slash support, dudesinprogress.com slash support. That'll take you to our Patreon page. And if you want to, if you want to check out our Facebook page, you can uh, find a link to our Facebook page right there on dudesinprogress.com. I love the growth we're having already in our Facebook group and some people contributing already. I see we're adding people. That's fantastic. I love answering questions there and posting there and, and talking about these topics. Yeah. They're not only just coming into the, into the group, they're asking questions, some very poignant questions, some very significant questions. So I, I really, I do. I agree, Kurt. I like, I like the growth of the group and I like the interaction that we're, that we're getting. Hey, let me just do a couple of shout outs. Tom Duff, who is someone who I knew from years and years ago, he's down 26 pounds since November 1st. He's on his way to 90 pounds overall. Way to get after it. And then Chrissy Dittman, a, a friend of mine, she's down 14 pounds this month. Congratulations, Chrissy. <laughs> she said part of it was from getting strep, but it, the weight's staying off. <laughs> well, next week, Kurt, we are talking about maybe my favorite subject. Maybe my favorite subject. It's something that I strive for in my life. And it's something that I think at some level in today's culture, we all need to strive for minimalism. Oh, we're, oh, ooh, that's one of your favorite topics. Yeah. And how to simplify our life so we can make room for the important things in life. Get rid of the things that are, that are bringing us down and make room for the important things in life. I love it. All right, folks, as you, as you go into this coming week, remember, progress is better than perfection. Keep moving forward. And Joe, we did pretty good this time, but we'll try to do better the next time. Absolutely. Talk to you soon.